Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, this is Shane Marriott from The Porters, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to another episode of Tobin Tonight here with Shane Marriott. I was going to make the joke that it's Marriott here in Newfoundland. Shane understands, though. I feel like yeah. Shane should understand. Shane, how are you today? I'm feeling good. I can't complain. I'm alive, doing well. Work is kicking in, you know, just excited. I want to ask you, because I did do a little research. You used to watch TV shows and films and kind of reenact it. That's kind of how you kind of got your interest into acting. But yes. like, what kind of TV shows and films were you watching? Well, at that age, like in the 90s, In Living Colors was popping, Martin, Fresh Prince. I know Fresh Prince, like, back to front, word for word, everyone's lines. Like, you say a line and I'll pick it right up. Like, you know, all Will Smith movies, he was like a big role model for me, influence. A couple of Denzels, a couple of Sidney Poitiers, but mainly like those that came on TV. So Fresh Prince, Martin, In Living Color. That was my stuff. And like when you were watching it, like what kind of what kind of drew you to these shows? Because I know for myself, I grew up watching like Full mm-hmm. House. One oh, Full World. House too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Family Matters. Yeah. Now I, I I was my own Urkel. I didn't need I didn't need to dress up like Urkel. They were just they're like, all right. And I'm like, can you not? There's there's come on, pick on someone else. But yeah. like, ever acted like an Urkel character when you were smaller, or were you just kind of like, dude? If I reenact Urkel, I'm getting my ass beat. <laughs> I never really in, I, I reenacted Urkel. I like <laughs> Family Matters, but I wasn't big, big on it. And it wasn't as accessible as Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince was more like, all right, Will's cool. You like style, you like the jokes. He's talking to the honey, the girls, you know, and all that. And then the Carlton, him and Carlton beef and the jokes and Jeffrey and everybody. That was like, that was it. Plus, Will was like the man in the 90s, right? pretty much that's fair. 90, late 90s they got bad boys coming out and all that independence days so that was like my anything will smith that was my my lane i feel like i would watch fresh prince like so up here we would have it on channel like 51 like tbs mm-hmm. and be on like right after school yeah yeah and i used to think like the intro and the extra to that song like to the um, tv show was killer like yeah i was yeah. just like oh yeah and then someone yeah. just like you you are white what are you doing i'm just still like they have a white character on this show they were like no they don't i'm like what is carlton carlton is nothing but at least trying to a, a, a white character and they're like like you can't say that at 12 i was just like look at him dance that is a white man's dance <laughs> Right. Classic. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm interested in that because, you know, when you say you, you like you reenacted, I guess, movies, TV shows when you're smaller, like, did you really kind of grasp it in terms of because, listen, I watch Boy Meets World. There are some serious moments in Boy Meets World that I'm just like, all right, relax, Corey. It's not that big of a deal. But then when you get older, you're like, yeah, I've had that and the crossroads because there are episodes of Fresh Prince that, yeah, for the, the amount of times that's fun and entertaining it does have deep impact. Like mm-hmm. the one that I think about is when Carlton is, I think it's Carlton and Will and Carlton says, well, my dad has so much money and like, yet I'm not getting further ahead. And then Will kind of smartens up and goes, color your skin. Look at the color of their skin. Look at the color of our skin. And mm-hmm. this is what's going on in the world. And I was just like, as a kid, you're like, can you just get to the, yeah. yeah. But then you're, when you get older, you're like, oh, wow. I, w- I didn't take that in. So were you it. taking this in? Yeah, yeah, I, I followed the story and maybe had a couple similar situations. For the majority part, yeah, I understood what was going on. I understood the content. That was that was pretty much it. I just mentioned it because it's kind of interesting to me because like sometimes I'll watch like a, a Fresh Prince and a Family Matters and it's like really deep into subjects at times, right? Like yeah. I'll be looking at a Family Matters episode and it's like, all right, how did we go from Steve annoying Laura to the yeah. end of the episode now talking about like, 
hey, turn in your guns. Or, and I'm just yeah. like, what? where did I fall? Where did I lose track of this story? Yeah. Like, yeah. did Laura get shot? Did Steve go mental? Like, what's going on the go? But, nah, but at the same time, you got to give credit to the actors. They probably wanted to try different things, you know, outside their box to yeah. show their range. So that's why I have to be introduced into the stories. And, you know, the message had to go through and all yeah. that stuff. I feel like if I turn on like Full House, I don't watch an episode where Danny Tanner like, you know, comes in with a gun and, and then it's like at the end of the episode, it's like, all right, just so everyone knows, Danny's okay. This is I'm still like, I feel like the end of the episodes with Full House is like Michelle fell off Make a bike. Moment. Yeah, Make Michelle a makes that. Michelle falls off a bike. She's okay. And I'm like, I'll turn over to family matters. It's like, hey, turn in your guns. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? But that's interesting. Like what kind of I, I'm kind of interested in that, though. Like what kind of inter, or drew you into Fresh Prince and Will Smith? Like, did you kind of see yourself in that role or yeah. was he kind of someone to look up to? Yeah, it was more so like a role model, right? You didn't really get to see a character like that on TV having the same interest you have doing the cool things that you want to do wearing jordans you know everything from that to just his struggle and what he pretty much was on the show like on that show will was more like i'm a man i'm gonna do everything by myself we don't need no handout type of thing and as a young black man growing up i was kind of like okay true the same the same i gotta get my money and do my own thing but then you got uncle phil in there who's spitting gems, just like, yo, no one does this by themselves. You need help. Everyone needs help. Like, yeah, yeah. keep or watch the company you keep and different things. So I was picking up, like, little key points from the show as well. And it mold myself to mold myself, you know, make my own character and my beliefs and whatnot. It was, it was impactful. I think it's interesting because, like, I, I sometimes when you're watching these shows when you're younger, you don't realize, like, the... the character growth over time like mm-hmm. i'm i think it's interesting because when i watch fresh prince at first maybe the first season compared to their last you do see will kind of grow up and morph into a little bit more of a responsible person yeah but still loyal to his friends like i don't know how many times i've seen i can't remember his name now but getting thrown out of a house and yeah. like I'd, yeah. it would take like three times one of my friends getting thrown out of the house where i'm just like dude every <laughs> time you get over my dad throws you out like i i gotta i gotta part ways with you like you know but it's still like they're still friends to this day and i know yeah. it's still like acting one up but it's still funny to me where it's like dude it all takes is two times in my house someone gets thrown out and then my parents would be like really stop he's not invited over anymore i'd be like fair fair i'd be like fair enough like for my own insanity and for your own sanity, let's not do that. But no, because I think they've actually come out now with, I think it's called, is it like Bel Air? Bel Air, which is pretty yeah. sick. I'm watching it right now. Re- yeah, I've heard people say like that. It's I like comple- it. It's completely different than mm-hmm. obviously Fresh Prince. But like I've seen a couple promos. Now, I'm one of those people that I'm not really interested in like new TV shows. I will watch Friends for like 50 times before I turn on a new episode. Yeah. But I was looking at it and I'm like, man this makes this fresh prince kind of look like mobsters where it's like, it's like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. And I'm just like, that is not uncle Phil. No, <laughs> uncle no, Phil no, does it, not it, look it, like a hard ass. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, with that show. And what I realized is you got to take the shell of the show. So boy from Philly gets in trouble, gets sent to LA, live with his rich fan or his rich uh, relatives. Yeah. So you have to take that shell and go with it and let go of, Will Smith and Alfonso Ribeiro as Carlton, Hillary, James Avery, RIP, you know, Janet, uh, Daphne, Carrie. You got to let go of those cat guys. They did their I'm part not, in the 90s. I'm not ready. I'm not ready yeah. to. <laughs> I mean, it's always on TV. You can just pick it and watch it. Yeah. But you got to let just... go of that and, and try to reason with the new story and find out what they're trying to do and the, the story they're trying to tell. And honestly, it's it's better than I expected. Well, okay, that's that's right. fair because I mean so that's, my, that's subjective, but yeah, yeah. Your own. no, no, no. You you we're gonna yeah. die with that. We're gonna live and die by that. That's gonna be a promo where it's gonna be like Shane says that Bel Air is so good, and then people are gonna come after you on Twitter and be like, "How dare you?" And that's I'll be like, right. "Hey, it wasn't it wasn't man. It came from him." Uh, that's all right. I I I just bring it up because I remember watching like Boy Meets World and being excited when they come out. Now I know it's a completely different kind of concept here, but like when they came out with Girl Meets World for like mm-hmm. a younger audience, I think it was focused more on the girl character. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know where exactly they wanted to go with that because it's almost like they relied too much on. I guess our generation's characters yeah, yeah. and then, you know, cause they had an episode that I th- I'm trying to remember if it was like Eric had, 
at one point had a kid that he adopted and then they had to give it up because he knew he was going to be able to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And then in girl meets world, they bring him back. Now he's a full on adult and he's like standing up to political leaders and Eric comes over and goes, I can't believe you've grown. But he knew that like, obviously for me watching it, I was like, Oh man, like he knew when he gave him up that this was going to be a better life for him. But there's a younger audience going like, I don't even know what the fuck this guy is. Why is the crowd all applauding? Like, and I'm just like, here's the backstory. And they're like, I don't have time, grandpa, for you to tell me the backstory. I'm like, hold on. I'm 30. I'm not a grandpa, but I get it. But I understand like they did have their own sentimental points too, but I think it's lost when you're bringing in characters that an older generation marks out for. And then a younger generation is like, why is the why is the crowd applauding for this old guy coming in? I'm like, that is not an old guy. That is Sean. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. they don't know. They don't yeah. know the history behind it and our attachment to those certain characters, right? Yeah. So I, I like that. Find, oh, go ahead. I usually find it harder for sitcoms to kind of replicate what they did but not copy it. So it doesn't seem authentic. So like boy meets world and girl meets world. So our generation's like, mm, you know, is that really a show I want to watch? But we still hold on to... Topanga and Corey and Sean and and Eric, you know, and all those guys and Mr. Feeney. Yeah. And then after the same with uh, Full House and Fuller House, right? Yeah. I held on to DJ, Stephanie, but there was no Michelle, but then there's Uncle Jesse, there's Joey, there's Danny, you know, and then it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, how far can we go with this kind of thing? But it's kind of trying to expand it to another generation, but it's like sometimes things are a product. I I know that sometimes when you watch TV shows and they're from like the seventies and eighties, they start off with the announcement of this is a product of its time because Mm -hmm. there's things that's mentioned in it and the world has changed. But I'm like, I like that in in contrast with fresh Prince of Bel-Air towards Bel-Air. Yeah. They're going in a whole different route. Now you can jump on board or you can say, I'm not watching it. It's totally your choice. Right. But I do like that. Like you said, there is an audience out here who says, I wasn't expecting it, but I enjoy it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what you want. Cause I feel like there are definitely TV shows. I'm sure how many times I'm, I'm wondering if Lisa Kudrow and Matt LeBlanc have been told we're going to do a friends, but this time it's going to be your kids or like, yeah. you know, we're going to do friends. And it's like, no, you can't, can't because we grew up with them. Like I, I'm younger, but it, like we grew up with them going, seeing what they did in their twenties to thirties. And you can't do that now where it's like, yeah, now they're all like say fifty odd, and they all still hang out. I'm like that. No, I I accepted it at twenty because I understood that. Yeah, it's kind of fake. But at fifty, you are not hanging out with your five people from your twenties every day. No, no, you got stuff to do. Yeah, you're not hanging out with your brother and your husband and blah blah blah. Just not. You accepted it when it was younger because you're like, yeah, they all live close by. That makes sense. But yeah, so some TV shows you're kind of like. Don't, don't yeah. make, I mean, as much as we want to, I mean, they're, they have come out with like Saved by the Bell with mm-hmm. a remake of that. And eh, to me, I'm kind of like, cool, but you're still trying to bring in an old audience where it's like, hey, yeah. Zach is still here. I'm like, just let them live and die let with the new go. cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's that nostalgia you want to hold on to, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like there's going to be like 30 years time. Someone's going to be like, remember that Tobin Tonight podcast? It's like, can we bring that back? It's like, actually, Tobin doesn't do that anymore. He, and then they just bring me out in like a wheelchair or like, you know, I'll be old and gray. And I'll be like, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. They're like, this was the worst idea. We told you. We told you not to do it. But anyway, to get off that topic, I want to ask you, of course, because we did mention how you were getting in this kind of all star with the TV and film side. But mm-hmm. like, you were 12 and you wanted to get into acting. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, I, I guess, poking the bear here but like you know at 12 i wanted to be a wrestler Mm. i am nowhere in the shape of a wrestler i might be a manager that gets thrown into a table if i want to take that bump but (laughs) i feel like at 12 when you were telling people you wanted to be an actor were they kind of like that's shane over there he wants to be an actor we're going to give him like six years and then he might change his mind or were they always like go for it no no there was i kind of kept it to myself because i already knew what the answers would be right and at that young age you kind of believe your elders so if yeah. they say you can't do it, you kind of follow suit. So I kind of just kept that to myself. I always stayed active with it, the community plays and whatnot. But obviously I was into basketball until I saw LeBron James on the, the Sports Illustrated magazine. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that. No, I was like, I'm not playing this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no way this guy yeah. is going to be in the NBA when I'm in there. Yeah. So that dream like faded. I've just always been interested in like impersonations and, and making people laugh and whatnot. So I stuck with it, stuck with it in high school, took drama class. And then by like 
grade, I think it was grade 10 was when I was like, okay, this is, I know this is what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know this is my end result and whatever's in between that gap, I'm going to fill it up with whatever and hopefully it builds character and adds to what I need when I'm ready to take that step. So like at 12, yeah, I mean, I kept it to myself. Like my sister knew, my brother knew, family members, like my close cousins knew because I was always talking about Fresh Prince or acting yeah. or doing different things. But like the adults, not really. I didn't really share it with them. I want to ask you, because yeah, like you about talking like crushing dreams, not that I'm trying to crush your dream here at all <laughs> anyway, but it's like, you know, when you're going to, because we don't have, for example, some schools don't have like a drama class or anything to do with drama. I went to Carleton where at university, they did have kind of their own, I guess, theater group. Mm. Uh, I feel bad because they're going to be like, you're a goddamn alumni of our school. You don't know your own theater. I'm like, sorry, I don't. And I had friends that were involved in it. So they're going to come after me and be like, how do you, how, how do you not know this? I'm like, sorry, it's been like five years. Uh, but I, I want to ask you like, how did you build up? Because, yes, you have the interest, but there has to be times where you're kind of self-doubt, maybe you're kind of like, all, all right. All the time. Like, because I know doing stand-up, I, I wouldn't do stand-up here in Newfoundland because the joke for me is, what about if I'm the only Newfoundlander that's not funny? Yeah. Everyone in Newfoundland is funny, and then it's like, this guy's a Newfoundlander, you know he's funny, and then I go up there, they're like, we yeah, actually found funny. the one that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. has to leave. That's yeah. not good on us. But I remember doing stand-up in Ottawa for the first time, and I thought I did really good. And then when I left, because I went up again, I'm not famous. I'm not on a bus or I'm, I'm not like taking a, a limo. I went back on a bus and I was like, if I don't do well, there are going to be people on that bus. that are going to be pointing and laughing the whole way home. And mm -hmm. one of my friends was like, you think they give a shit that much about your stand up? I'm like, thank you. That's very humbling. But now you just kind of made it the other way where I'm like, they don't even give a shit. So I'm going to bomb anyway. And no one's going to care. Yeah. But have there been times like that for you where you're kind of like, oh, man, what happens if this doesn't go well? My whole university career was <laughs> like that and a little bit before in high school as well. So obviously I knew I wanted to do acting. And there's one guy in my class that was like in a commercial. So to me, that was like, yo, you're in. OK, how do you do this? Right. And he was kind of like standoffish. He didn't want to tell me. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. So I went about it my way and try to figure out, like, how do I get into the business? Obviously, it was like early in Toronto, them times, like what, early 2000s. Okay. Well, there were a lot of crooks. Some agents are like, yeah, yeah, come take a headshot with me. Give me your headshots. And then all of a sudden, you wouldn't hear from them again. No calls, no auditions, <laughs> nothing, right? So they just pretty much swindled you into getting a headshot with their photographer. And you're yeah. paying like six, seven hundred bucks. Wow. In like grade 11, 12. <laughs> so that was like my whole McDonald's paycheck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I still stuck with it. I did a couple community plays. And then when I went to York, I did a student play. She was a theater student. I learned a lot from her. Her name is Monique. We did a play called Color Coded Lullabies. And we took um, a scene from Harlem Duet. And I did that. And the background work and all that with her gave me an insight into how the business or how much work I would have to put in. It was tedious and annoying at the time because, you know, I was filled with ego at that, that age. And everyone is. Me, yeah. <laughs> and then I just pretty much swallowed my ego and pride and sat down and was like, okay, this is the work I need to do in order to get to where I want to be. Do I like it? And at the end of the day, I always kept coming back. Like I was mad I had to be there and I couldn't make money. Yeah. But at the same time, I was happy because I'm actually doing something that I want to do. Yeah. And then we did the production. That went well. I did another couple community plays, comedy community plays. That went well too. And then I just stayed stagnant for a while where I was studying what I need to study. So I was taking chemistry. I took a couple of theater electives, some courses that made us go watch theater plays. And we had to okay. write like reports about it. We had to do plays in the class and audition, whatever. And that kind of kept me like still active and, and still interested. But again, I was afraid, one. And two, just the doubt from like, parents like that's not a real career right you need to find something that pays well and nine to five type of job yeah but so stuck with the chemistry got my degree worked in the field for like two years yeah one day i was just there i was working the night shift and i was like i'm not happy i'm not happy at all this is i don't want to wake up doing this every day and i pretty much threw down everything i had at work this is like one o'clock at night because i was working the night shift 
Yeah. Like two hours into the shift, I just threw down everything. I said, yo, F this, I'm done, right? Then I went on Facebook and I knew I had a friend that was like in TV shows, a Facebook friend. He was in TV shows. So I hit him up and he actually hit me up like five minutes right after. And he was just like, oh, yeah, I referred me to an acting class. And from there, that was history because I finally got that credited acting class and acting teacher i like how you said kind of like, it's like one or two in the morning and you're just like at a, at a night job it's like oh. all right guys i'm out like I, I in their minds like just say there are probably people still out there like i hope not but you know there are that don't know where you're to what you're doing mm-hmm. and like they're like they'll just wake up one night and they're like yeah i remember this guy shane we used to work with and one time he just like said fuck this i'm out and then <laughs> i don't know where he's to now today and then it's like I have that with sometimes I'll look at students that literally like walked out of an exam and I, at like university, I'm like, I wonder where they're to today. And there's a part of me that really hopes they're doing okay and well, because I would not want to read up like, Oh, this person quit Carlton did nothing. And I'm just like, all right, that's uh, horrible. Cause I I mean, Mm. there are stories that I look at for Carlton's point of view anyway, where I'll look and be like, Oh, like who are some of our famous alumni? Cause obviously every school has, like either a wall or banners. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think it's, I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, but it's like can- Cannon or whatever. Like the guy, like I think it's Waving Flags is his song. Oh, I, be- okay. I believe, now I could be wrong, could be another artist altogether. It could be Chaos. It was either one of those that went to Carlton and dropped out. And then there's, I'm sure there were people that were like, all right, total dropout, what a loser. And then you like, then you're jamming to his song later, like five years yeah, later, you're like, yeah. yeah, that guy went to Carlton. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, we don't put him up on a famous alumni, do we? It's uh-huh. like, no, but we should. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, I think that's kind of interesting because it's like, you know, just saying, all right, I'm done. It's over. But for you then to have that mindset where you're not sitting around for like three or four days and saying, all right, what's next? You knew what was next. You mm-hmm. found a way to get in. But I guess my whole kind of issue or kind of funny story with that, because there are people in the industry that are like this, but like, you go to a guy that's in your class and you go like, hey, you, you're in a commercial. Glad. I'm glad for you. Now tell me how. And they're like, no. You're kind of like, Please. yeah. all right. Like, geez. Like, you know, and I get it because there is a mentality of when someone reaches out for me for a podcast and like, tell me how you do this. And there's a part of me like, I don't want you <laughs> to be more <laughs> successful than me. But then I yeah. have to look at my ego yeah. and be like, wait, if they become more successful, maybe they'll say, hey, this guy helped me. Mm-hmm. So he gets a free pass every time he wants to come on my show. And I'd be like, yes, but you're, you're, you're kind of playing the catch 22 there where you're kind of hoping that's how they think. But mm-hmm. then you're hoping that if they don't have an ego themselves, cause I know with me, there are times where people be like, you got to learn to edit. I'm like, no, I will never learn to edit. But now doing a podcast, I'm like, I gotta learn to edit. thank God I learned how to edit <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. there will be interviews where it's like, he just doesn't have a clue. <laughs> um, I know what you mean. But yeah, all I wanted from that guy was just his agency. Like, yo, where do I apply? Yeah. What do I do? You know, let but them turn me down. Like, like, yeah, kind of standoffish, but eh, it's all yeah. right. You know, yeah. I want to ask you though, like, because of course, when you're talking about ego, like, how hard is it sometimes for you to kind of put that ego aside? Because everyone has their own identity or their dream and thinking they're good at something. Like, for me, I think I'm okay at doing podcasting. I'm not the best, I'm not the worst, but there are times that someone will come across my desk and say, can you interview this person or can you do this? And then there's a part of me that's like, is that really where I want to go with this podcast? Mm -hmm. But then as a person with a disability, I look at it and be like, I'm out here preaching for us to have a voice and you're going to try to deny someone else from having their voice. Mm -hmm. Then I'm kind of like, wow, five years from now, someone will be on Twitter or something like me and be like, look at the hypocrisy on Mr. Tobin. He he wanted people to talk and he's like not allowing people to talk. And I'm like, all right. So the ego is like, there's a side of ego where it's like, no, you're better than this. And then there's mm-hmm. another side where it's like, but Brian, you're doing the same thing. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that? Like, how do you kind of force yourself to forget about the ego? Uh, thank God for the people around me. You know, my they parents, keep you on more. <laughs> yeah. My parents, my friends and whatnot. So it's always like every time I look at them or I'm with them, it's remember who you are type of person. Right. Don't yeah. let this is all nothing really <laughs> like what you're on tv cool all right at the end of the day it's just yeah. a job right because yeah. after i finish i have no job i have to reapply again right yeah. and it's, there's no guarantee so i just take every moment for what it is each blessing don't get too high don't get too low 
at the end of the day, it's just a job. Once the job is done, once I finish doing whatever and it's back to my normal self, just be a normal person, man. Be kind to people. There's no need to have no ego trip. Like, I'm not better than anyone. No one's better than me. Just do what I got to do. Focus on my stuff and continue walking in the blessings, you know? Yeah. They will keep coming. I feel like you say that now. And then, like, five years from now, when we ask you to come back on, you just come in with, like, shades on and there's, like, lighting. And then it's, like... <laughs> Depends it's like, on where I am. Like, if I'm yeah, in Dubai, yeah, yeah. you have a need to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's, like, Shane, it's me. It's me, Tobe. And you're just, like, yeah, listen, I only got, like, 20 minutes. And that's it. I'd be, like, all right, Shane, geez, God. Uh no, it's interesting you said that because I even think when you sometimes read the most famous of people's stories and then realizing like you look at like a Ryan Reynolds, a Jim Carrey, and you're kind of like, man, like they're just so genuinely nice people. But then you realize their story where they had siblings or they had a family that's like, hey, we even though you're good at this, we just want to keep you level headed because mm-hmm. my favorite person and probably the one that I look up to in terms of like talk shows is Conan. But mm-hmm. like to me, it's hilarious because Conan had mentioned, I think one time as a joke on the show that he was in a Boston airport and he was going to the back of the line anyway. But then people from Boston were like, hey, you get to the back of the line. You think you're better than us? And he's like, no, I'm literally going. And they wouldn't let him finish. They were already cutting him off because they wanted him to be like, hey, we know who you are. And this is our time to like cut you down a little bit. And he was like all right go for it but i'm going to the back of the line anyway i'm not going to skip any of you but like as he's walking towards the back of the line people are already chirping him and he's like he's like welcome home (laughs) like there's no there's no difference hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline I want to ask you, of course, now a little bit about the Porters, because mm-hmm. uh, now it's it's on CBC Gem. I believe it's on BET as well. Uh, me. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. but like in this role, I believe you're Sticks. Yeah. Tell me how you got cast for this role. Tell me what interested you in this, because I think it's an interesting concept, and I know CBC likes to kind of, um, you know, when they're putting out new TV shows, they want a concept, they want an idea. Like I always kind of make fun of CBC, where it's like they go for a different province or a different like ethnicity or race or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, who can we target this for? Like, I'm sure there are people across Canada like son of a critch, but I'm sure there's Newfoundlanders. that are like, yes, we lost Republic of Doyle, <laughs> but at least we have son of a critch now. And yeah. we have Hudson and Rex yeah. and we have all these. And I'm like, that's great. But what does the rest of the can think about this show? It's like, who cares? It's ours. We get to claim it. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Porters and like what made you interested in getting cast for this role. Yeah, so the Porter is set on uh, set in the 1920s. It follows Portermen and their fight for liberation, as well as the first Black-led union in the world. We follow two characters, Junior and Zeke. I like to compare them to like a civil rights type of movement, where one man is kind of like Malcolm. He's gonna do any means. He's gonna fight by any means necessary to reach his goal. And then we got another guy that's more like Martin. He's going to play by the books, but they still want to reach the same outcome, you know? And that's to get the union in play, equality for black people and that fair treatment. But at the same time, there are other stories mixed in it where we follow a girl named Lucy. She's a housemaid and she thinks she's bigger and better than that. And she really sees the Hollywood lights for herself. So she ventures into that journey. Then we also follow Queenie, Who's, who I work for, um, she's like the butcher of the South, is what we call her. And we run like a gambling business. So we're in Chicago. One of the porters comes to deal with us after he comes to some realization. And it, it may get sticky or it may not get sticky, but that's where our story goes with that. But at the same time, the whole story is that fight for liberation and to get the union in play. Because some stuff happens in episode one which sets off this whole movement. And the thing about it is not a lot of Canadians knew about this story or know about this story. And like, this is pretty much the truth as to how immigration opened up in Canada, right? Um, How they fought for just uh, workplace equality. So we're not only subjected or put into 
one position, which is porterman. Like back then, you could be a mechanic, but it doesn't matter. The only job you could do was to be a porter, and you get horrible hours. You probably have to take a train from here, Toronto, all the way to British Columbia. No sleep. If anybody complains on you, you could get fired on route. On the ride back home to your port, you may get like three hours, four hours to rest. And then once you get home, you have another shift in like a couple hours and you have to be alert, wide awake, ready, happy, you know, to deal with customers or whatnot. Because if they tell on you, you lose your job, right? So yeah, yeah it's just, just a bunch of reading and hearing about those stories and then reading it in the script was great. I love period pieces. So once I saw the script, understood what it was about, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't know what character, I didn't care which character, just put me in it, put me in the clothes, let me talk this the language, let me study it, let me research it. And lucky for me, it happened. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. I auditioned for it when July 2020, oh, wow. while okay. I was filming um, Marry Me This Christmas, and I didn't get the call to my birthday, May 2021. Oh, wow. Okay. That, oh, you booked sticks for my agent, right? Oh, you, you booked the porter. I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, you just threw it on me. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah. You, I tell you. you probably oh, thought where it's like, I'm going somewhere on a porter flight. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I was confused for a second because I was like, that That was like years ago, one. And two, how come he didn't tell me anything? And then he was just like, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to give the hopes up. You know, I just, I was like, all right, cool. I, I agree. And then, um, yeah, three, on top of that, they were casting certain people throughout the year. So, like, around December, they started naming leads. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I didn't get that, I didn't get that. And I was like, shoot, you know, I might not be a part of this story. Damn, I'm still going to watch it, but yeah. I really wish I had the opportunity to be a part of it. And then May comes, and then I hear I got my reoccurring on it. So I was ecstatic. That was the best birthday gift ever. I want to ask you, because uh, uh, dealing with the porters, you mentioned about how you got casted, but, like, what certain things were you like? Did you learn through the show? Because I know when you when mm-hmm. you find a part, you do your own kind of history. Was there something that really kind of stood out to you that you didn't know that you're kind of like, wow, like this should be brought up more. Or we should talk about this more. That whole thing, really, that history isn't taught in our curriculums, our school curriculum. For instance, I had to read a book called "They Call Me George." Okay. Um, which is loose, which is pretty much a porterman writing about his experiences, how they changed immigration laws in Canada, how Canada steered away from the Jim Crow laws and, and kind of fought segregation itself. Because based on the history that we learn, all we learn is slavery happened in the South, everybody migrated north, everybody's free. Yay. It didn't happen like that. You know? It did not happen like that. Like they had to struggle up here too and they had to make way for themselves. Like I said, they were treated poorly and they were only subjected to one job women usually housemates men porters other than that what are you really doing you're like you're you're scraping for pennies type of thing right um especially in those times so learning about that the true history the fight certain people in history like for instance i read that book and then i found out that george brown was an advocate for black people and equality and whatnot and what he stood for and george brown's a college down here in toronto right so just learning about oh, wow. like certain, yeah, university and college. There, I, I, there you go. I learned something new today. Yeah, that they mold <laughs> or that they build their school after and just what they fought for and what they stand for. And, you know, it's just a lot of Canadian history that wasn't taught. Yeah. That in my research that I picked up, that was like the best part of, of it all, really. I can look at it from the standpoint of a Newfoundlander that grew up here uh well in newfoundland going to school here we didn't really learn much about a newfoundland history i mean for the most part when someone mentions about like segregation or people coming in like you know black people coming in the only thing that we really learned was like and now again it's all depends on who tells the story right so our our end of the story pretty much from you know overhearing it and overhearing it is oh yeah like we were very welcoming to the black community we like brought them i'm like all right like i'm sure there's people that were but i'm sure that there's people that weren't i mean there's the whole thing and i don't know someone it all depends on your humor towards it but someone once said and newfoundlanders are generally overly friendly but Mm -hmm. they said like one time a boat came to shore it had white people and black people they washed off the white people like cleaned them up and then 
when they had a black guy, they kept on washing him. And he was like, no, that's my skin color. And then they apologized because they were like, oh, we just thought like you were out on the like the water so long. And I'm like, all right, I'm sure there are people out there that find that kind of humorous or will laugh. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's black people that get that because you didn't do anything bad to him. Yeah. But I'm sure there's another whole bunch of people that are like, dude, why did you do that so bad to him? It's like, I don't know. I wasn't there. It's like, this is a story I heard. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's great to actually get to know more history because everyone has a history and it mm -hmm. depends on like how you want to embrace it or take it. But uh, yeah, it's great that you actually get to play a role, learn a little bit more about it and that people can see it. Because, yeah. yeah, I didn't know, like, and again, I'm not being oblivious or trying to put you down or other people down. It's just like, where in my lifetime would I be like looking up this information to be like, same, right? Same. So, same. I'm but then when, when you're exposed to it or see it, you're kind of like, you know oh, what? That is interesting. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like, if it wasn't for these Portermen, they wouldn't have joined with everyone else, formed a union, and let Canada ease up on their immigration laws and let other immigrants come to Canada. Like that's how Canada was built really. Yeah. And it, that needs to be in the, the books instead of, you know, John A. McDonald and you know, all that's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that, okay, cool. Samuel de Champlain, whatever, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Teach us about the Portermen that actually did thing. Yeah. Which made the economy what it is and the country what it is. Right. So learning it's about that. Yeah, it's kind of like teach teaches teaches all sides of the story, like whether mm -hmm. it's good or bad. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's not that let's put it this way. None of these people have Twitter today. They're all yeah. probably gone. It's not like you're going to tweet at them and be like, hey, I didn't like what you did. They'd be yeah. like, that, uh, great. OK, I don't understand what you don't like. But like I, I would just like to know both sides, like even when you're in school, teaches both sides. Yeah. Like, and the other thing about it, too, is I know they're heavy on trying to get into when they do one part of a story, they want to get in every detail. I'm like, listen, like you're going to have kids out there that are not interested in their own history and anyone's history. But like, if you start just to dwell a little bit about it, like I think there's something I seen on Instagram and I think it's in the States. And it was a black girl standing up in class. Maybe it was like a black teacher and she mm -hmm. was talking to these black students and telling them like, and it was almost like they were going to try to get her out of the class because they didn't support this. But she was like, She's like, this is February. This is our month. And these are the people that have like impacted society that they're not teaching you about. They're too focused teaching you on this, this and this. And you can hear parents in the background kind of being like, shut the hell up, mm -hmm. like stop it. And I'm like, no, it's interesting because we only hear about maybe like, you know, who invented basketball, who invented this. And but you don't really hear a lot about like the black people who made contributions, the mm -hmm. black people who made inventions. And when she started going on this kind of rant and I was like, wow, did, did not know that. I'm like, let, let her, let her, like, let her continue. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it is, it, you need to be exposed that. to it. Mm -hmm. You do. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I want to ask you, too, because, of course, going a little bit off of the Porter side of things, like you've obviously done other roles as well like i like i mentioned like there was hudson and rex one of the yeah. show you were in that you were in murdoch mysteries my yeah. favorite thing about to make a joke with cbc is like almost like when you see for some example someone like yourself mm. or i think it was like nadine we had on it's like yeah if there's a show on cbc and you're a canadian actor it's like here we're gonna throw you into it and i'm just still like yeah okay i wouldn't be surprised if like if a few episodes down the road where it's like yeah, this is uh, Shane is on Son of a Critch. I'm like, of course he is. It's like he's also on this show on CBC. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's probably just in the studio. And CBC's like, we're shooting a show here. If you can make it in five minutes, you're here. OK, this show is filling over in this studio. Can you be an extra on this show? And it's like, yeah. I wish, and I'm like, I wish it was like that. Yeah. I wish it was like that. I'll, I'll, as long as the character's good and the story's yeah. good, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, just, you just show up and you're like, all right. Oh, you show you. up with the wrong outfit. Be like, sorry, Trust sir, we're not on the porters today. It's like, can I play sticks on this show? It's like, sir, this is Son of a Critch. You can't play sticks on Son of a Critch. It follows Mark Critch's story. But like. All right, can he have a friend named Sticks? No, that's not right in this kind of an aspect. Yeah. 
I want to ask you, because you've done other things as well. Like, uh, I'm just looking at my notes here, but there's uh, Firestarter. I think mm-hmm. that's with Zach Efron. Like, yes. did you get to meet Zach Efron? I didn't. Zach. I know uh, I was crushed too. I'm, I'm a Zach Efron fan, right? So I fin- or Zach finished all his shoots by the time I came. Like he left like a day before I got there. Okay. So that's when it was like, ah, I miss Zach, but whatever. That's you know? that's that's when your ego comes up and be like, excuse me, I wanted to work with Zach Efron and I don't get to. I'm out. They'll be like, all right, just cast another guy. And you'll be like, wait, you don't want me? It's like, no. <laughs> I was a part of the project already. So I was yeah. like, all right, cool. As long as, you know, they see me and Zach's going to see me, it's cool, you yeah. know? Yeah. Hopefully one day when I'm out in LA, it'd be like, "Hey, aren't you?" In- yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. I was in the movie yeah, when but, you uh, left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I want to ask, I want to ask you a little bit about that. Like, tell me a little bit more about that project. And uh, I think the other one was Reacher, yeah, uh, because they're like two movies. But I mean, do you find that? Because I don't know, obviously, what producers and agents look into, but do you find now when you're getting these roles and you see a name like Zac Efron on the key as well that people will like when you it has to do something for your resume to be like, oh, yeah, I was in a a movie with Zac Efron. Now, whether you're on the same screen, but you're still there, do you find like when you get cast for these roles, it kind of elevates your career a bit or is it just another role? You know, I'm in the middle of that right now. I'm trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> uh, part of me just thinks it's a role. Yeah. Like, yeah, it looks on it's on your resume. It adds to it. But at the end of the day, I mean, to me, I'm grateful for everything. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it, to me, it's just like, all right, cool. That's one job. And I don't like to do it like what's next. But then after that, it's like, all right, well, now this is done. What's next? Is it going to lead to other opportunities? Uh, I hope it does. I know, like, as you build your resume, yes, it, it looks like you're more of, like, a working actor and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I take what comes with it. Like, if more comes from it immediately, cool, I'll take it. If it comes later, cool, I'll still work hard until that time comes. Like, I just, I don't know when it will happen, but I know it will happen due to my work ethic type of thing, right? So that's all I can control is my work ethic, how much work I put in. And then I'll let the work rest speak for itself. It's cool when you're with your friends and they're like, oh, you did a movie with Zac Efron. Yeah, I didn't meet him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, I know it looks good. It looks cool to the outside. On the inside, you're like, ooh, I wish, you know, more lines or more scenes yeah. with him. Or, you know, I got to pick his brain and find out his acting abilities and what, he, what he's capable of and how he thinks in different things, how he approaches different things. But... I just take the blessing for what it is. I got the opportunity to be in a Stephen King movie. Yeah, there you go. You know, I used to walk by his books in the grocery store and in shoppers, you know, those scary covers. They're like, Stephen King, oh, man, that guy's dark. And now here I am in a movie of a book he wrote, you know, and a remake of a movie. So it's yeah. like... It's like, it's like it's count your little blessings, you know? Yeah, it's like it's taking almost like, okay, here's something that we didn't get to do, but you're trying to find the silver lining, I guess, yeah. in... Yeah, I... I, I wish I had my brain mastered to find silver linings into that. Cause I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of times where I've sent out emails or like, cause eh, everything's so fast nowadays where yeah. it used to be like, you know, if you didn't get an act on your show or if something didn't go your way, you'd actually have to physically be like, all right, point to pen, write a letter. And then by the time you get the letter done, it's almost like I'm no, I'm done. Like my aggression yeah. is gone and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but with like Twitter and stuff today, it's literally like, Ugh. and then you go and the next minute you're like, all right, that tweet sent out. And then like three hours later, there's like a bunch of tweets at you saying something. You're like, I was mad for like three seconds. Yeah, Why, yeah. What happened? You got to be <laughs> but, careful. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's interesting because like, again, when someone says, oh, well, you're in a movie with Zac Efron or like trying to keep yourself a little bit humble to that point. But like, I, I guess you're saying you're trying to find, OK, where's that middle ground? Or you're trying to look at it and say, OK, like, yeah, it's good for my career. But yes, work ethic is key, obviously, because you want to yeah. get more roles. But are there parts sometimes where, like, I know you said you'd like to meet Zac Efron if you're on set, but like, are there points and times where you're kind of like, you know what? I'm kind of glad I didn't because, like, maybe it would throw me off my game or maybe I'd be like a little bit under pressure to do something. Like, just be mm-hmm. like, oh, no. <laughs> Not really. I, I look at it more as like an opportunity to learn. These guys have been in the business. They influence like any TV show I've seen up to this point, even still till today, they influence me. You know what I'm saying? They inspire me to keep going. Like all those artists, 
no matter what everything I've seen. Yeah. Right. So to me, I feel like I'm still a student and their talent motivated me to be on the screen and do what I love to do and gave me my confidence. Like, yo, I could do it. So can you bet on yourself type of attitude. Right. To me, it feels like a little bit of a loss. Like, damn, I didn't get to meet him. I didn't get to ask him like certain questions, like how you approach this, like how, what yeah. else do you want to do? How do you want to, you know, expand your it. artistic yeah. side and whatnot? Like what's next? Yes. But I do believe in the future we will cross paths again. So I'm not really worried. It's just as a matter of time of when, you know, listen, we, we started this episode off by talking about like remakes and like, you know, and I, I hope you know where I'm going with this, but imagine if they asked Zach Efron, like, you know, five years down the road, it's like, I know high school musicals over, but now we're going to do a college musical. And then it's like, we want you back. And then it's like, all right, well, we need like his other friend. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like, he's not going to be able to do it. It's like phone up Shane. Get Shane to learn dancing quick. Yeah, yeah, get get Shane that part. Please, I'd have to learn dancing quick. And then you go to, and then you go to the actual, like you know, to the movie set, Mm. and you're like, all right, this is the time I'm gonna meet Zach because we all have to like coordinate dancing together. It's like actually because of the way technology is now, you can just dance at home, (laughs) and we'll and then we'll add it. And I'll be like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Uh, I would love it to be, you know, kind of uh, interesting to me. But imagine if like Will Smith or someone came and be like, listen. We're doing like Bel Air and we want you to be in it and you can just be like a thug in the back, but like still you're gonna be in the show. You'd probably be like, Do I get to meet you? And he'd be like, I No. Would take it. Yeah. <laughs> I would take it. Yeah, yeah. Second. You know, I, I, you don't I, know who on top of that, you don't know who you're gonna meet on set too, right? That's fair. You make some great connections on set. Everyone's in the industry, crew and cast. It doesn't matter, right? So like I said, just be kind to people, treat them right, and you don't know what it would lead to. Yeah. You never ever know. Yeah, I, I'm going to now send every person I was ever mean to in school a message and see how they're doing. And then if they're like, dude, like I still Madison. I, yeah, yeah, it's like, dude, I still work at McDonald's. I'd be like, all right, that, that's not helping me in my career, but I am actually hungry. Can you get me a burger? And they'll be like, no, you have to pay. I'd be like, why did I be nice to you for this day if it's not going to help me? Because they've been holding the grudge the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's such, that's such a mentality. There are going to be people out there now that are going to actually think I do that. And then they're going to be like, so wait, Brian's only nice when he wants something. I'd be like, no, Brian's nice in general. But you're allowed to actually still hold, be mad about certain things and be like, all right, don't hold that too much. I'm like, you don't tell me what to hold in. I'll hold in what I want to hold in. Uh, I want to ask you as like, I guess a little bit of the last questions here to have a little bit of fun with this chat is I see the background there of the Mm. famous shot. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm sure many sports reporters, you know, start going, dabbing their head and Mm -hmm. saying, do we have to be on air for this? But like uh, MJ, Kobe, or LeBron? Depends on what you're looking for. I want to win. Oh, you're trying to win games? <laughs> yeah. If I'm trying to win games, I'm going with Michael. Michael, you don't okay. play around. Michael all day. All right. Oh, where yeah. would you where would you go with Kobe? What, what choice would you have if you went with Kobe first? Kobe Kobe's like he's a spawn of Jordan, so it's kind of the same, but would I want Kobe or Jordan? I would want the, the real thing, right? Kobe's yeah, yeah. a mimic of Jordan plus his own character. So here's the thing. I would do Jordan on the court. Yeah. <laughs> I would do Kobe on the court, but at the same time, if I want some like inspirational stuff in the background in my head, like someone talking to me because he was very insightful. Yeah. Smart guy. So I would want that. LeBron, I'd want LeBron on like the rec or like I want a cool two- teammate. Not saying LeBron's not great. LeBron's great. I love yeah. LeBron, right? Yeah. But if we're playing like a rec game and I want to have fun and someone wants to get me involved, LeBron's going to pass me the ball. He's going to give me the loop, lob, you know? Yeah, yeah. Michael and Kobe, I'm going to have to give them the rock and then be like, all right. He's going to be like, you suck. You're not scoring. Sit down, right? Yeah, so yeah. LeBron's I feel like it's type of like, yo, come on, man. Let's go. Like, I the, feel the, like the, when you look at some of these stories, like, I mean, I, I grew up liking Kobe over all of them, but it's mm. like, for me, I like Curry today, but mm. we're like, I always admired Kobe just because of the work ethic, the you'd hear stories when he was still around, mm-hmm. you'd hear stories of like past players go like, I'd go to the gym and this guy was still in the gym in and there. then I would leave and he would still be there. And in I'm like, there. man, like whatever. Yeah. But then like when now these past, sometimes I wonder if these stories are a little bit more elaborate or if like people add on to it. Cause there's sometimes where I'm like, uh, it could be like a third 
I guess uh, I, I'm watching hockey, so maybe it's like a guy off the bench, maybe. And then, like, yeah, Kobe came to me one day and said, you had a great game. Like, Kobe doesn't even know who the fuck you are. Like, <laughs> shut the hell up. Or there's games God, I where... Can't speak. I don't know. Yeah, exactly, right? But he, then was a, all... he was in L.A. He was an L.A. mogul, right? Yeah. Everyone knew him in L.A. He pretty much grew up. L.A. grew him, and he grew up in L.A. kind of thing. There are sometimes you're just there, like, you listen to some, like, you know, ex basketball player who you know was not on the floor with Kobe all the mm-hmm. time. They'd be like, Kobe whispered in my ear one game. It's like, good shot. I'm like, no, he didn't. He he probably whispered in your ear that was shit, and you don't want to. Or or there are athletes out there who you'll you'll read the story on Kobe, and then there's a part of me that's like, all right. There's athletes like, oh man, he plays the mental mind game so well. And then there's a part of me that's like, no, he sounds like he was an ass because there was times where it's like. I can't remember who the athlete is. I'm sure you'll see it on Instagram now because that's how algorithms work. Yeah, but it's yeah. like he's doing an interview and he's like, um, yeah, it's like we had just finished a championship game or whatever. And then we were in the off season and we're both getting ready to go to the gym. And Kobe's like, why are you going to the gym for? We don't need to go to the gym. It's the off season. And he's like, I go to the gym after who's in there. This motherfucker's already in the gym. It was almost like he was trying to get his competition to not go to the gym. He was amping him up as if to go like, you're so mm-hmm. good already. And then he's in the gyms. I was like, sounds like a dick move, Kobe. It's like, it's like, just let him go to the gym. And then if you want to beat him so bad, stay in the goddamn gym. Like the other story said. Yeah. yeah. He was a mental, he's a a workaholic. Yeah. He's a mental menace. No, no. Yeah. That's it. Mental warrior. He was that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from him. It's just like, sometimes you look at the stories. I'm just like, all right. Everyone's kind of like, oh, that's so cool of Kobe. I'm like, yeah, but if, LeBron does it. You're always like, LeBron's an ass. How could he do? I'm like, yeah, but if LeBron passed away the next day, you'd probably be saying the same stories where it's like, man, LeBron was like, I'm like, it's all hindsight, but there's a part of me that's they love you, then they hate you, then they love you again. Yeah. I will give Kobe credit in the terms of like some of the interviews that he's done give you great, great sound bites. Like where where it's like they're up in a series and the guy's like, you're up two nothing in a series. Are you happy? And he's like, not finished. Not finished. There's a part of me that's like, you're up to nothing. You're Kobe Bryant. But yeah, he's like, nothing. no, don't mean. And hey. I'm like, you're right. He is right. The Warriors were up 3-1. And then LeBron came back and beat them. Yeah. Four, four, don't, don't remind me. I just so, told you I was a Curry yeah. fan. What are you doing? So, hey, anything can happen. If you don't put the work in, yeah. anything can happen. An injury could have happened. Then that would have been it. Lakers lose, right? So yeah. Kobe's right. You got to approach it until it's done. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Shane Marriott for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's the slug? Kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous or sexy catch us on the dean Dean blundell network or on our youtube channel or wherever you get your podcasts because democracy democracy is something you do another sound off media company podcast